0: Welcome to the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch, deep in the heart of Texas, with your host Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton.
1: We're back with the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast. This is episode one hundred and fifty-four. One hundred and fifty-four. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, my friend and co-host Ryan Ray. Ryan, this is like day thirty-seven of the coronavirus meltdown. We are. Uh, Recording. There's been some news coming out with the Railroad Commission and and lots of stuff going on this week. Been looking forward to getting into it. I mean, it seems like the early last week we had news coming out that um, prices were going one way. By the end of the week, the narrative has changed. So it just seems like uh, the news and the oil patch is on like two day cycles. It's up down left right. Um, so I mean, the articles we're pulling in Monday Tuesday Wednesday are almost irrelevant by Friday or Saturday now. So it's just a Fast well,
0: moving. Hold on hold on, hold, on, hold on, hold on. Speaking of articles, Josh, we you, I noticed how you wanted to skip over the review uh, that we got. So let me let me just, <laughs> let's just, let's just hit the pump the brakes real quick. There, we did get a five star review. Um, and let me just say this: I, I will not say a name, um, but Josh and Nate can confirm that I'm being serious when I say this. We have a guest who is—is um, is it fair to say tentatively confirmed? Is that a fair fair way to put it based upon the correspondence? Yeah. yeah. Tentatively confirmed to come on. Um, this would be the largest, most popular guest we've ever had on the show. And it would be a name that is safe to say that every single listener will have will have will know the name and has heard the person speak and will be familiar with a certain level of the person's work. 100%. That's a safe, safe assumption to say, right? Yep. 100%. No yeah. doubt. So with that being said, we are at 263 five-star reviews. So if you want to help us... Maybe, maybe it helps Lane, I don't know, but it can't hurt Lane. Let's go ahead and get to 300. There, uh, helps the rankings in iTunes. I think we're 25 in the world business news. So get us on up there to maybe uh, Mount Rushmore status, but Josh, we got a roast month in finally, it's been a while. Oh boy. Well, I don't know if Stephanie for the intern is roast or not. It's just roasting her or us or who. Um, and so, um, the last one, if you remember, let's go back was, um, was, February 27th, and it said, I met Ron the other day, and he told me that he enjoyed making podcasts, but that his producer didn't know a soundboard from his skinny hemorrhoidal rear end. That was, <laughs> that, was the, that was the last one. It's been a long time since we've had a good roast. But here it is. Um, roast Month continues, five stars. From Oil-filled Trash 94 came for the banter, stayed for the inadequate reporting. <laughs> it's just the end. Oil prices are current... Are currently higher than the collective IQ of the show. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> the guys. Is it possible to have a negative IQ? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Depending on when this is submitted, well, is It it's at twenty right now. So if you take out my nineteen, you guys get a half a piece. Yeah, that's about right. That's about right. Um, the guys originally wanted this to be more of a vlog style, but were told their faces would detract from the viewer experience. The reason the audio quality is so bad is because they have to record outside in their garage. Even their own wives don't want to hear their own bullshit. The guys take their kids' teddy bears and sit them in a semicircle to give the false impression they have an audience. They're originally going to give—they're originally going to have Nate edit in laughs and applause, but quickly found out the only thing the guy is good the guy is good at the guy's good for—is pushing record and stop. <laughs> oh, good news is viewership is actually up. Oh. but that's only because of the all of the real news stations have been shut down due to COVID. (laughs) It's it's true. It's true. (laughs) Stephanie, the intern, is actually a fictitious character made for the sole purpose of giving Josh an out for his shanty reporting. (laughs) Ron Ray recently discussed layoffs occurring at his company. What he didn't mention was that all that really amounted to was him sending his kids back to their rooms. (laughs) He's clearly an advocate for communist child labor, as evident <laughs> through his push for U.S.-China relations. If you look past all the grave shortcomings, <laughs> they may be the, the best Texas oil and gas podcast currently available. But take that for a grain of salt. You slim pickings in oil and gas section of iTunes. Hashtag Stephanie the Intern Twenty Twenty.
1: Oh man, <sighs> that was good. A, a burn. That was, that was even better than, uh, than old Jimmy's roast. Yeah, I think
0: Jimmy, you've been, I think Jimmy, you've been outed, uh, roast five star roast only five star roast only, uh, before tax day, which is July 15th. So old trash 94 well done, sir or ma'am. Um, I don't know, but well done. Um, that was, uh, that was good. That was good. And so I, uh, I appreciate that. Um, I, I, <laughs> Some of the things you're saying there might be true about communist child labor and my kids. let but we're not getting that today. Um so anyway it's Josh, actually a stuffed rabbit that we use for our audience. Yeah it's not a teddy bear it's stuffed rabbits. That's a good point, Nate. Good point.
1: Well one of the one of the things I can say that's false in there is my shanty reporting is definitely definitely off. I'm I'm uh like David Blackman, whose article we're about to pick up in right now, I, I bring the biggest, best news in the industry. So, um. well, the good thing is, is that if who's ever doing the reporting, if it's
0: you, or if there is really a Stephanie intern, they're at fault, right? So, if there really is Stephanie the intern, then she's technically at fault. Yeah. Yes. You know, so, yeah. So, you know, so, way to go, Stephanie. Step your game up. If you're real, I thought about letting her on, but good gosh. She's already yeah. getting calls for being president. I don't know if we can contain this. Yeah, thing. Stephanie twenty twenty four would be the next. Stephanie and Josh twenty twenty four. Oh, the the means will start. She persisted, and you know all that oh, yeah. stuff. She'll she'll be yeah. Oh good. God. Oh yeah, she's she's a committed woman. Yeah, her and Nikki Haley twenty twenty four or something like that. Yep, exactly, exactly.
1: And so uh, David Blackman's article, uh, he had a Forbes article, came out on April the thirtieth. So it's really important that we mention dates. Now, like I said, the cycles are, are changing so quickly. Uh, but so Chesapeake was preparing, preparing to file for bankruptcy, uh, on April the 30th. Uh, the, the price of their stocks have been taking a beating, uh, here lately. I don't, I don't believe they actually filed for it. Um, so I, 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 yeah, I they,
0: they filed, I think they, they did filed. file. Uh, so the 30th was, um, well, Oh, I'm on the wrong month. 30 was 30. Maybe it was Friday. They filed, uh, or they're going to file, but yeah, they, it hasn't stopped like that wherever they're at there.
1: Um, there's a flood of articles that came out about it. Um, they're going to yeah. the uh, preparing Okay, problems. So they're in, they're in this, they're in the initial phases at yeah, least they're going. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that happened uh, last week. Uh, the railroad commission, uh, according to David, were meeting to to detail a proposal to cut production by 20%. Mm-hmm. and uh, and there were lots of talks going on about that. And We, we had a lot of different people in the industry were kind of giving their, their take on it. Um, they haven't actually dealt with how they're going to do it, though. They haven't given any explanation. I, I think it was Craddock that came out and said she wasn't sure how we could actually do this.
0: Uh, on the last call, um, I haven't seen, Now, you mentioned Craddock real quick. For listeners, Christy Craddock will be on Energy Week this week, which means... Tonight, one a.m. I believe is when it goes out. So before the meeting tomorrow, she will be out, and unless they forbid us from asking her, we are going to ask her how she plans to vote as being the, the swing vote there. So, um, you know, finish this five star roast and then go download Energy Week five star there as well, just real quick. Um, but she's the deciding vote. But uh, she hasn't said. The last time she was talking on the, I didn't listen to the whole thing, but she was really focusing on the legal issues that could be caused from. You know, uh, you know, you know, uh, rolling out the probation and there's lawsuits because they didn't do this or didn't do this or, you know, people are gonna file lawsuits to stop them. And um, they were going to seek the attorney general's help if I remember correctly. So I don't know where that's at. That's the last I've heard from Chrissy Craddock. So depending on how you interpret that, she could be saying there are so many legal issues that we'll never be able to get this figured out in time to roll out a plan. So it's better not do it. And she could be serious or she could just be saying that because she could always bring up, what about this? What about this? To kind of delay the process. Right. So I, I don't know if when she was saying that, if there was a list like 10 to 15 legal questions, if she had those answers, she'd feel comfortable moving forward depending on how they were ruled on. Or if it's just something to say that kind of push the conversation down the road. Well, what about this legal issue? Right. Cause you can continually make up things. So I, I, I wasn't clear to me what she was getting at with that, but plan to ask her on energy week.
1: So, uh, this, little, this little section here, uh, what Blackman has reported is, in brief, the proposed order would establish every operator's October 29, Texas production volume as the baseline, and then limit their production moving forward to 80% of that amount. So, whatever they did, say October, they did 100 barrels. Now, they have to do 80% of that amount each month. Operators whose overall volumes are less than 1,000 barrels of oil per day in January would be exempt from the requirements, violations of which should be punishable punishable by a fine of a thousand dollars per well um yeah so uh so i uh, and
0: so, uh, to be clear, we are still looking for guests who are for for uh for the probation however it rules tomorrow so if you're if you're for it and you want to come on and talk to josh and i'm happy to have you it could win the day obviously um but we'd be happy to hear some more because i, I still haven't heard a good reason for why this is what we should do or what we should have done. And, you know, even, even then Josh, you go, well, if they would have passed it back at their last meeting, would that have been more effective than what's happened uh, with the market over the past, you know, two to three weeks? And it seems unlikely. It seems the market was going to cut, um, you know, in response, especially with the prices going negative and all that was involved with that, but the product that, that, you know, these companies are, are trying to trying to stop it. And to your point, about kind of the, the news going back and forth. We had, what, two weeks ago, the WTI was minus 36, I think it got to. Right now, as the, this recording it's $20 a barrel. Now, that'll go up, that'll go down. Obviously, I'm not saying we're heading to 50. Um, but there's an overall kind of interesting sentiment in the market right now, aside from oil, which is the market seems to be responding a lot better than maybe you would have thought it would have, um, you know, two or three weeks ago. And we've kind of talked about it, I think on this show, at least offline about, you know, there's record unemployment, but then the Dow's up and you're like, what, what, what in the world's going on? So um, I'm curious to see these next two to three weeks, really, maybe, maybe to the end of May, what the market does and how it responds. Because, as the economy starts to open back up, that is obviously good for oil and oil prices, and you're having the shutdowns going on, um, which is obviously good for oil prices. But by the end of May, are we going to be sitting here going with the most of the US economy back up and running? Or will we sit here by the end of May going, oh man, we tried to open this thing back up and now we're going, uh, you know, no, we, we, we can't do it because there's flare-ups of the of the COVID-19 here and there and and they shut things down so um it feels like the 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 market wants to be optimistic um but i'm not sure if it's if it's warranted just quite yet does that make sense yep
1: well well, one of the things that is shocking when i read this is i mean i i know people that work at EMP companies i know people that are uh service providers and you telling me that you're going to take october 2019 and you're going to cut it to 80%. Like what company is not already at 80% today? Like what company? I mean, every company that we know has cut production by X amount already. So what you're saying is they're going to, they're going to, I can't imagine. I mean, I, I can understand they're going to say, well, they're going to ramp back up when prices start to go up. Um, at whatever point in the future that is. But these produ- this 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 plan is not supposed to be for, when the economy is healthy, like it, say 2021, when people are actually able to produce at a, at a higher level.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I just think people need to pay attention to this because essentially what they're, what they're saying is, is once the market gets back to where it is, now the railroad commission is gonna have more authority in the oil package. It's not gonna do anything right now because nobody's doing these numbers anyway because everybody's cut. But once the market gets back to a relatively stable position, Now the railroad commission is going to have the ability to say, no, you can't produce anymore. And I I just, that that whole idea is bad to me. I I don't, it doesn't make much sense.
0: Well, it's, you know, and the lame duck commissioner Ryan Sitton said a few weeks ago, he said that uh, he said that he didn't want to set a precedent. He wanted to set the, he wanted to set it where the bar was so high that it wouldn't be viewed as a precedent. And I thought, well, that's, I don't think I don't think me and you agree on what the word precedent means from government action because by doing something um, or doing nothing you are set a precedent and so um if you want to argue that these are extreme times but you want to set a high threshold the without explaining what the definition of an extreme time or unique time is um, and for us today it might seem well this is obviously unique right so for us today it's pretty clear because This is, it is unique. It doesn't mean that three years from now or 10 years from now or 15 years from now that that railroad commission will, 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 uh, interpret that whatever they're going through as at the same level of severity as what we are going through. So we might be 15 years from now going, oh, this is nothing compared to the COVID-19 stuff. But the railroad commission might go, well, I don't know. This is, this is extreme. This is dangerous. This is unprecedented, you know, and they may feel that way. So, um, yeah, so setting, so, so if you are on the probation side, just understand that, um, and they do act, that will be used the most generous way that the railroad commission wants it to be used moving forward. And so if they want to never, if they want to take Ryan Sitton's literal what he's what he's actually saying, which is the world's got to shut down for us to step in. That's what he's actually saying. and I understand that. Um, if they want to take that, they can. However, they could just they could just point back and say, no, 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 no. These are extreme times, this is economic waste, you know, and, and they could get in there and, and use that as a wedge to do it. They actually don't need the precedent, they can just do it if they want to, is my understanding. So the precedent is kind of irrelevant, but it does give them kind of the, kind of the mandate. And, um, you know, the final thing I'll say on this, Josh, real quick is, I, and I published this this morning on, a, on somewhere, um, just, just for perspective, just so the listeners kind of understand how to maybe think about these things when you're talking about government intervention. The county that we live in has uh, 17 cases, I believe, of COVID and two or three deaths, something like that, right? Yep. Okay. And so we're under the Texas state lockdown, like everyone else. Last week we had protests in the city and the County. Uh, we live out in the County, we had protests out around out about, um, and then some businesses like a gym started to open back up. And in response, our County, uh, attorney decided not to prosecute those people because he felt like his job is not to convict people just to convict them. It's to see that justice is done. And he's saying that this is an unjust thing that the government's doing. And so I'm not going to go after people uh, for this reason. In response to that, a judge appointed a special commissioner, I mean, a special prosecutor to then go after those people. So the, the person who's elected said, no, I'm, I'm actually going to execute my authority this way. A judge then appointed a special prosecutor and used his power, her power, can't uh, remember what the judge was, uh, to then go after these people. And then the mayor stepped in and threatened to pull the, the people's uh, ability to have a certificate of occupancy. So COVID issues aside, COVID issues aside, let's just stop and think about that when you have government trying to get involved. And what you're saying is, is that as the price goes up and people want to drill, the response by those commissioners or, uh, you know, because Sit will be off by then. So whoever the, you know, Craddock and Kristen and whoever the third is, those commissioners might respond differently than the current set of commissioners do. Right. And they may, they may view their powers differently. So you have in, in Hood County, you have a county attorney who decided not that, the, that this is how his job should be functioned. And in response, you have two other elected officials responding. No, 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 no. We're going to use different means. So when you talk about probation or anything, that's kind of a, a way to think about it is it. um, the power can come down <laughs> from a lot of different angles that you didn't actually think through. Because if I told you, hey, uh, the Rebel Commission isn't going to do this, he's like, Okay, great. But then, well, they're going to do it this way. Like, oh, I didn't I didn't see that coming. So that's kind of a, a local deal that I thought about this morning as going through uh get rid of the show. It's like, okay, you know, when you open these flood doors, this is what you this is what you invite in that um some people might be on your side, some people might not be. And um we we really can't do much about it right now because we can't vote him out of office because it's not, there's no elections going on today.
1: Well, last, uh, last thing I wanted to, to read here. This is, this is a little, uh, Blackman quotes, a guy named Kenny Stein. He's the director for policy for the Institute for energy research. He said that, uh, the oil market situation we see today cannot be solved by governmental cuts he said, adding that the only government solution is let the letting the economy restart. It sounds a little familiar, Ron. Uh, the Railroad Commission intervention now will have virtually no effect on prices, but sets a terrible precedent that will lead to calls for more government cuts every time prices dip. So basically, everything you just said, Kenny Stein, he agrees with us. The recommendation we had last week, you want to fix the economy, takes a brilliant mind to say it, but just open the economy back up. Yeah, that, that'll... That'll handle itself. Awesome. Um, so I'm not sure what Blackman's position on this was, because I remember he was on our show once. I, I, I'll ask him uh, next time he comes on. But he believes that uh, there should have been more. Uh, this should have happened a long time ago. There should have been mm-hmm. regulation. Now, I, mm-hmm. he mentions here, uh, he thinks that they should have targeted flaring.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um but it seems that if they targeted flaring, wouldn't that have meant there, were, there was more gas on the market? Or would they have not produced as much? They slowed down production in order to reduce flaring. Anyway. You don't know
0: how the market would have responded, right? You know, yeah. They might have had to put it in a pipe or they might not have drilled the well. Um, I don't, know, I don't know, um, you know how the companies would have viewed. Each company probably would have handled it a little bit different if they weren't getting the... Uh, the flame permit, but but that's a good point though. If you're going to put the gas on the market, then you go hurt folks in the Hainesville or other parts because now all of a sudden you're you're really pounding the price of natural gas lower. So you, yeah, you helped oil price, but what those what about the, now? It's less workers. I agree, but what about those workers who are working on the rigs for the natural gas? What, what about those folks? We're participate. You know, yeah. We'll yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen. And, and speaking of which, I don't know if we're getting this today or not, but you know, the Barnett Shell. I don't know if you. The, talking oh my about God. news. Did you did you hear about what's going on in the Barnett Shell? Because it's not being reported. It's not yeah. really being. It's kind of like it's kind of like this COVID stuff. You're not sure who to trust. The Barnett Shell is up 100 percent in rig count. 100 percent rig count increase. We went from one rig to two, baby. We are <laughs> we are coming back. 100%. One rig boom. Well, now we're at two rig boom. It's it's a, it's almost like a pandemic. It's a it's a boom pandemic here in the Barnett, and we can't get a single single headline above the fold. So. Just wanted to throw that in there. A little bit frustrating.
1: The barn so, dies in darkness. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you, Nate. Thank you. So special report, Trump told Saudis cut all supply or lose u s military support. So uh, or this report came out apparently ten days before uh, there was an announcement that the Saudis were going to cut, there was a call on April the second Trump told Saudi Crown Prince. And unless the organization, OPEC, started cutting oil production, he would be powerless to stop lawmakers from passing legislation to withdraw U.S. troops from the kingdom. Um, so and then it has a little statement here. The threat to up in a 75 year strategic alliance, which has not been previously reported, was central to the U.S. pressure campaign that led to landmark global deal to slash oil supply. That was a very interesting statement right there to me. I'm I'm curious what what 75 year strategic alliance? I'd like to. See a report on that or something. Just have some details because I, I was unaware of that alliance. Obviously, it hadn't been reported. So, yeah, um. it's it's a uh, well. I mean, they give us all we give them weapons. Is
0: kind of the it's kind mm-hmm. of the nature of that alliance. It feels like. You go no yeah. And Ellen wrote a piece about this. I don't know if I can pull it up while we're talking about um, um, U.S. and um, Saudis not friends. I think is what it's called. Um, I'll see if I can, I can find the article. She wrote a piece kind of talking about some of the stuff and uh, yeah, here it is. This is from Washington post. I don't have a subscription to you pagans anymore. This is from uh, February 5th of 2020. So we'll include it in the show notes and I can't remember all of what she said, but she did allude to um, for the president, you know, uh, anyways. So anyways, um, uh, that that we, that we were allies, kind of what you're, what you're talking about as well. And um, let's see, I think maybe she has another piece on March 9th about uh, some other stuff. Anyways, so we'll try to get that in the show notes. But you know, this is an interesting thing, Josh. I'll, I'll, let me step back here. When I was talking last summer um, down at Baffin Bay to some folks at the bush China Foundation, one of the things that I proposed was um, at the time, it'd be interesting to see, is if the U.S. wanted to get rid of its debt would be to go to China, which hold, uh, I think at eight or six or whatever I did at the time and say, we will, we will move troops out of certain areas in, 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 in exchange for canceling debt that you have for us. Now that obviously doesn't sound like a one-to-one economic transition, except for, you know, if you're China, um, which isn't really a, military imperial type nation. But if you're China and you're, you're kind of wanting to expand, not deal with, uh, you know, the U S intervention, it might be a swap to where you could get some U S debt off the books and move some bases around or whatever. Um, kind of a win-win for everyone. Um, Trump and G wouldn't take my call on that for some reason. I don't know why, but that being said, I, I think it's interesting that the president uses this because without U S support, weapons, especially with the, the, what's going on in Yemen, it'd be interesting to see how the Saudis would hold up on their own. Um, you have to remember that Iran and Saudi Arabia are not friendly and yet they sit on OPEC together. So it's, it's sometimes it's hard for me to go, okay, how much hatred at the top level is really there versus how much perception of hatred. You see what I'm saying? So do the top people, are they really friendly, but they tell their, their, their citizens, they hate each other so they can kind of keep the war machine going. Or is it really hate from top to bottom? Because again, there are a lot of, a lot of OPEC members and nations that don't like each other. Um, but with that being said, this kind of gets to the heart of us foreign policy in general, which is,
1: uh, first off, is this a quid pro quo? Oh yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that's what why I hold stuff so stupid, but Nate, I don't Nate, this,
0: Nate, Nate we need you to weigh in here. Uh, is this a quid pro quo? Is this, what everything this is, is a quid pro quo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that that's the first thing. The second thing is we don't actually have the money to be doing a lot of this stuff. So then you start saying, well, you know, um, is it, is there better deals to be had to be had? Uh, could the U.S. do stuff differently? But it's not surprising that the president used this tactic. And I have heard some speculate that he actually probably has more, um, more of a leash on this than, than than he initially used. So he has a little bit more room to go back to the Saudis if he feels like they don't respond. Um, so I have heard that being discussed. I ultimately think, though, that the June whatever 6th meeting of OPEC, that you're going to see more cuts from OPEC and it will kind of squash the... Those those talks and strategy uh, plans moving forward of you know keeping production high and stuff like that because um, the, the, there's plenty of reports about the Russian national wealth fund, the Saudi national wealth fund, their economies are trouble. Um, I didn't think when this first started they were going to back down, unless they had an out from an outside source, and I wasn't sure if that would even do it then. And they got the outside source to help them, uh, you know, via Trump, and so that kind of started this ball of. You know they're willing to talk now, um, and I would suspect that the June meeting, uh, where it stands today, is that they're going to either keep the cuts or increase the cuts or, or whatever. Um, I mean, we covered a story last week, Josh. Think about this: for Nigeria, No, was it Nigeria Nate that had the one hundred thirty-three dollar break-even price? I think it was Nigeria. Has yeah, a that hundred, was Nigeria. Yeah, Nigeria has a hundred and thirty-three barrel break-even price. Hundred thirty-three dollars per barrel break-even price. I don't know about you, but we have a long way to go from $133 a barrel. Now, that's mainly because of uh, theft and political corruption and you know, stuff like that, but still. So, um, so anyways, that's kind of what I've heard is that Trump has some more room to go back to the Saudis if he needs to. My anticipation is that won't necessarily be necessary because of what you're seeing here globally. And I think the OPEC meeting will uh, continue to put the cuts down. But as you allude to the last article, if we don't open this thing back up a lot, of this is this not really going to be relevant
1: for, for a while at least. So looking at the, looking at the deal with the Saudis, so OPEC, uh, this article says that the output surged most in 30 years during price war last month. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was, I've been thinking about it. So when they announced the, the they were going to drop prices and they were going to up production, mm-hmm. uh, the following mm-hmm. month mm-hmm. and the coronavirus was had to get, uh, the oil prices at that time, if 40, I recall, uh, they uh, were around $40, uh, $45, right? When they announced that cut and they were, they were, they were, they were headed down. They were slowly ticking down. Like it seemed like every cut. day an increase, huh? You, mean increase huh? you mean increase, not cut. The Saudis. Yeah. Yeah, said, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's cuts. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. They didn't, they drop price though. They price cut. Oh, the price cut. The price cut. Sorry.
0: Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, when that happened, oil was around forty. I, I think I, I think the, the Saudis didn't anticipate the the effect of the coronavirus. They didn't quite realize that it hadn't made it all the way west yet, and the price was about to take a much bigger hit than what they had originally thought. Um, I, I, it just seems that it seems like they wanted to they wanted to get out of that argument that they were in with Russians. I mean, that they not only were they <laughs> they didn't want to fold, but I I think they were uh, they were they were filling the debo from the coronavirus. They they thought they were going to debo Russia and the coronavirus is deboing everybody. Um, yeah, if you go back to then, I don't think
0: anybody at that time anticipated the world shutting down. You yeah. know, I don't think anyone actually anticipated shutting down. A, if it did for as long as it did, but, but shutting down like it did at all. Um, and you know the folks I talked to seem to think you know if you remember when Black McCann on. He felt like maybe they could do a deal in a week or two, but you know, for David, it didn't sound like he was really convinced. And I don't want to speak for him. just what he said. It didn't sound like he was really convinced that they were going to come to a, a terms within a week or two, but he said, it's possible that they could. Um, and I remember Ellen uh, had said that, you know, that, that it's possible they could come to a deal as well. But after that first week or two, no one anticipated that that the deal was going to um, stop anytime soon. Now, if you go back kind of the coronavirus timeline, we're still pretty early I had to go back and look at the look at all the dates, but we're still pretty early in the in the game there. Um, as you know, it's kind of it kind of snowballed over two weeks, um, and then the folks I talked to, kind of off the record about this, were, you know, my my thought was, um, I think I said it on here, I know I said it offline at least, that it's kind of like two two two, uh, two gangsters fighting over a street corner. You know, you can't blink, so I kind of thought they were gonna they're gonna hold out, um, and you know, and I think that was kind of where the, where the positions were, I think you're right. The Saudis didn't realize the Russians didn't realize that no one on those days realized that the coronavirus was going to shut down the economy like it did and the prices were going to suffer so badly so quickly. Um, so yeah. And then, you know, once they were there though, I don't, I don't think they could have, you know, if, if Trump, um, and you know, how much threat did he really give them? I don't know. Uh, but he gave them a, he gave them an excuse at least to to get out of it, and it seemed like both sides wanted to use that excuse at that time. Yeah, and again, basically. If you go look at the, if if you look at their economies now, they're in bad shape, and so yeah. at least that's the reports I've been reading. So he gave them the excuse, but without that, I don't know. I, I think a little bit of revisionist history. Without Trump intervening, my guess would have been um, at the OPEC meeting, there would have been enough global pressure for them to cut that it would have happened then at the time. I didn't think that, but now kind of seeing where things are at globally, how, how rough these economies are, there, there, there would have been pressure for them to cut. Um, But you know, all that's moot now. It doesn't matter. Um But yeah, I think that you're going to see a lot of shutdowns here, shut-ins here, obviously. And I think, I think it's possible you'll see OPEC cut or more cuts or however you want to phrase that in, in June. But Josh, we got to I hate to keep saying this, but we got to pound it home. We got to open the economy up. It's, it's just, a lot of this stuff doesn't necessarily matter without that.
1: Yeah. I, I, wouldn't, I mean, they, they didn't open up fully. They need to give, uh, I mean, all of, I mean, as many jobs as possible and people need to get out, start, start traveling. I admit, with everybody going on vacations right now, <laughs> open up Disneyland. Uh, so the, the news came out, rig count slide continues as expected. Um, well, continue
0: to again, again, 100% increase in the Permian, I mean, in the, in the Barnett. Uh, but, you know, we're not going to get that. You know, we're not going to get that in the news. It's just not it's just not going to happen. So don't yeah, let so, the news
1: fool you people. So the U.S. rig count was at 408, and Texas is at 219. So the re, in Texas, it fell by 30. Um, so actually, Texas uh, fell by 30 to 201. And the Permian Basin lost 27 rigs to 219. I think the New Mexico, Eddie County. Um, oh, four. They, they were down three for the week. Oh, Eddy dropped by three. Yeah. Um, Mexico,
0: so, so three of the four from New Mexico came from Eddie County. Yep. Yep. Rigs will keep on keeping on. I'm curious yeah. where the bottom is going to actually be on the rig count. Um, yeah,
1: me too. That's what I'm wondering. I, I, um, as the price can, starts going back up, I think the the rigs will stop dropping off and then they'll probably have a little. Uh, couple, maybe a month of just kind of hanging in there and then maybe it will start ticking back up again. Yeah.
0: You know, as earnings come out, I think we, I think there's a few oil and gas earnings that come out this week. Um, we'd be curious to see, be curious to see, um, you know, just how bad the beating is across these various industries. Uh, I mean, these these various companies uh, and then the banks, you know, how the banks kind of respond. I, I think we still got to get through the OPEC meeting because if you kind of use the OPEC meeting as a, as a timetable, the OPEC meeting is a month from now, basically um, we'll know more about what the global economy is doing as far as opening up or not, not necessarily new demand numbers, but what uh, opening back up. Um, and then you'll know what OPEC is going to do. And you will have a better picture of how many companies are shutting in wells or quit drilling or whatever they're going to do in the U S you have a better, much better picture a month from now to kind of understand um, you know, if, if banks will consider you know, reinvesting in these companies or if they're going to you know, pull the plug and, bankruptcy and some of these guys are going bankrupt regardless i'm not trying to say that you know uh an opec deal and an open economy can can save everyone it's just um by that time i think we'll have a much much better picture um and of course the uh the barnet will still be here with our two rigs blowing and going this is how we do stuff i've i've, I've named us the og shale play we're the, now the og shale place like so um just just let everyone know we're taking that title
1: barnet mania <laughs> that's, that's, that's where we're at. <laughs> uh, 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 so uh, I, this article right here, probably don't need to hit this. We've kind of talked about the OPEC meeting and um, the Railroad Commission and some of their responses in the production cuts. But just as a point of clarification, Wayne Christian, uh, he is against the um, the RRC mandated production cuts. So yeah, what uh, was funny
0: is real quick, listen to the last meeting. If anyone was going to side with Sitton, I thought it was going to be him. Um, based upon some of the comments he made towards the end, he referenced, you know, uh, Oklahoma and North Dakota, and they're having meetings, they might do something. And so I felt it it made you wonder if he was going to allow those commissions uh, from those states to kind of lead the way, and then he could use that to back his position. Um, But maybe he would now in hindsight, maybe he was just simply referencing it. But um, anyways, I, I, I thought he would be the one, Karatek, I wasn't sure about how to evaluate again the what what, what the legal deal, you know, what that was actually being was a serious question. She, she's a lawyer, I think, or former lawyer, current lawyer, or how that works. Um, you know, but I didn't know how much of that was actually a question that need to be answered versus kind of a, a way to push the agenda back. A um, Christian, I thought, might have been the most likely to flip.
1: Hmm. Well, being that he didn't, um, I I don't think they're going to pass it. I mean, I, I may be wrong. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. Very certain. you going on the record? Are you, are you making a prediction right now? I'm making a prediction. I don't think they're going to pass it. I don't think they're going to go for it. I don't think Chrissy's going to go for it. But I would not be surprised if she did. So it's uh, kind of like
0: 60-40. It, it, listen, you got to go all in. Push the chips all in. Are, are, is she? Which side is she going for?
1: And I think she's going to go. I'm
0: tell g- you if she answers on Energy Week so you can come back with Nate and edit this podcast. So this is yeah This is the official record here.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's put it out there. I, I I don't mind looking like a fool. It only happens once every four or five years, so <laughs> <laughs> well, that ain't the truth. But uh, yeah, I, I, she's gonna go. But she's against it. Christy's going against it. I think uh, Christy and Christian are gonna be against it.
0: And I I agree with that as well. I think that's I think that is where it's going to land. So, um, huh? the the see. irony of ironies would be if his sit and voted against it. <laughs> I don't know if it's possible, but it's procedural. Wouldn't that be funny if he like voted against it now? Yeah. like That would be the ultimate politician thing to do. I was going to fix
1: it, but now that it's fixed itself, I realized I shouldn't have tried to fix it. So that would be the... Well, guys, this is what we were saying a long time ago. Just yeah. n- no disrespect intended. These guys are too stupid to, to run the economy or run the, the oil industry. I mean, they're just, they just are. I mean, sitting is not capable of doing this. All...
0: Yes, that's the point. It's not. I think so, not. yeah. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, I think it is. It's not possible. It's just, it's, so when you say you're too stupid, you cannot insert name here that can do this. There's too many variables at play. That's the whole point of the free market is that you let each individual make their decision or collective company or whatever. But yeah, so when we say that someone's not smart enough to do it, it's not, a, not. A, I mean, it could be a knock on that person personally, but it's not necessarily a knock on that person. It's just that, Um, it, I, I, quick quick caveat here, Josh, PPP level program, right? Yep. Okay. They wrote they rolled it out and now everyone's getting mad because, you know, Chase Bank or Bank of America or whoever went to, you know, Shake Shack or whatever these companies were to get the loan. Okay. Well, just to be clear, I don't know why you're mad at Shake Shack or Chase or whoever, because if I was Chase Bank and my biggest customer was Shake Shack or one of the big customers, and they called me up and said, Hey, well, the PPP loan? I'm gonna fulfill the loan to them because that's that's how it works, right? There's no as long as they're not lying or, um, um, or um, you know, being fraudulent with what they're doing, there's no reason not to. Now, there is a, a side argument for the Shake Shacks of the world that they could have gotten funding from somewhere else. And that, that is where they could get in trouble at, um, uh, potentially. But anyways, I, I'm saying that, that, that the point is, is that when the regulation was rolled out, the people follow the rules as they were on some level, aside from the alternative funding thing, because that is a question that has to be answered. Um, but the general guidelines were being followed. And then now people are saying, well, they rolled out too fast. They didn't think about this. They didn't consider that. We should have rewarded that. And if you go read what's going on with the PPP loan, there's so many questions that are not answered and things that, that can't be spoken for. And the program has been out for what a month now, three weeks, something like that, right? Yep. And, and so it's it's, so it's just that there's too many questions to be answered that that a bunch of politicians just can't answer them. And so I couldn't answer them for sure. I mean, I'm sure if I wrote some policy, it would, be, it would, it would, it would omit something else. And so, um, so, yeah, so that's the point is that when you read about these programs, there is a level of incompetence that's going on. The other thing is there's just too many variables for one person or group of persons to consider. And we call that the law of unintended consequences that you do this and therefore... Something that you'd expect to happen happens, and so, anyways, this, this is an aside. That the the issue here is no one can run the gas uh, market for the globe. I will be happy to try though for the right price.
1: Yeah, well, we'll It'll be right, right. We'll give uh, we out free advice for sure. Um, no, I mean, yeah,
0: I mean, I'm just saying. But if if they want me to run OPEC and the U.S. and you know wherever, uh, you know, like 100 million a day, I'll I'll give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> My job so, will be to do nothing.
1: <laughs> yeah. And just, just to clarify what I'm saying too. So Sutton says we need to, we need to decrease by 20%. He says that a month after all these companies come in, like Concho, Diamondback, Marathon, Exxon, Chevron, you name them. They come out and say, Hey guys, oil prices are low. We need to cut by 20 to 30%. And then a month later, uh, we need to enforce production cuts of 20%. So, mm-hmm. um, hmm I, I, so I'm 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 kind of I'm kind of saying it both ways. Number one, the oil industry is much too complicated. Number two, this isn't the guy that you would want to do it. And I'm not, and I don't mean that as a knock against. It. I'm not either. But uh, I mean Exxon has some high highly paid, very intelligent people uh, looking at this stuff. Uh,
0: yeah, and that's a but that's a discussion that we need to get into. Maybe we'll do a special episode on kind of free market theory and what's going on there. Um, but but part of what you're getting at is it's Exxon's. It should be Exxon's risk to take. Yeah.
1: Now right, exactly. it doesn't mean that exactly.
0: it does not mean that Exxon their smart engineers will get it right. It should be their risk to take. You know, and yep. that's and that's the thing. It should be their risk to take, not Commissioner Sittins. Now you could now we're going to get off into what the commission can do and can't do and da I don't want to, I don't want to digress too far off of this, but that's ultimately the point is that it's Exxon's risk to take. And if you don't like it, what do you do? You sell the stock or you pull an icon and get board members. There's ways to change what Exxon's doing. Um, but, but that it should be their risk to take, not Sitton's to do it. And finally, to your point is that whatever Sitton writes as a rule, Exxon has better lawyers, um, than Sitton's capacity to write the legislation to figure out ways To circumvent them or to get around them or or, or whatever, if they, if they really want to. And so that's the other thing. And then everyone's mad at Exxon for breaking the rules, which they didn't break. They just interpreted them a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. Outmaneuvered. Outmaneuvered. That's exactly right. And that's what's going to happen with with, with the PPP loan for the big companies. They're going to, they're going to say, well, you know, the rules were this and we followed them and they're going to say, well, we have five subsidiaries that are all under this price. And those subsidiaries weren't able to get funding because, you know, so they will, uh, they will figure all that out. I'm sure. So,
1: all right, so April 30th, there's an article came out that oil was up twenty percent by optimism on demand recovery and output cuts. Um, and I mean that 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 kind of changed like two or three different times during the week. Uh, so I, I checked what was oil prices at this morning. I think they are like nineteen this morning. I think it was twenty at I said, earlier at the beginning of the show. Uh it's down to nineteen. Nineteen seventy seven. Yeah, they've been they've been hovering right around there for the last couple last couple of days. Um, so I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that makes me confident or optimistic one way or the other. Um, yeah,
0: well, yeah. So last Monday they were at ten, ten dollars, eleven dollars, right? Yeah. So
1: well,
0: it's kind of like the well, it's kind of like the one the, the Permian deal. Permian. I mean the Barnett joke. We're up a hundred percent. Okay. Well, being up a hundred percent, the Barnett doesn't really do anything. This is a joke. We like to have fun with Sergio about yada yada. The price increasing. You know, ten percent or fifteen percent or twenty percent right now, it doesn't really do anything substantially for for our listeners and folks like us at the market. You know, we need the price to jump up orders of magnitude for it actually, it actually um, plays. And so, you, when you're reading the headlines, you got to kind of actually get into the numbers um, because you will see the headlines. You know, oil moves up five percent. Well, okay, whatever. I, that doesn't do anything. So you need uh, substantial more growth uh, consistently is what you're getting. I think Josh, and not and um, and <laughs> we can't have another you know ten dollar barrel week or whatever. Yeah, we need to like avoid one of those for at least hundred years. Yeah, I think I think I think we've we, we've had it for our negative thirty four is good for the next hundred years. We, yeah. we've, we've seen it. My son was complaining about not seeing unique things. Well, he lived to see all minus thirty four, and so there you go.
1: Agreed. Well, Ryan, uh, we are about to jump into our Texas roundup. There were quite a few stories out. Uh, er- a lot of earnings reports came out last week. I didn't hit all of them. I just kind of sprinkled a few in there or Stephanie, the intern, she gave me a, a lot more than I actually put in here. Uh, so I, I just picked out some ones that I thought were, were interesting. Um, but there's news coming out on these earning reports, uh, they were last week and then there are more coming out this week as well. So we'll, uh, we'll pick some of those up in the next week. Um, but for now there's a, there's a couple of stories that weren't necessarily, um, with earnings. So one was a rig up expanding pilot COVID-19 testing program for Midland Odessa employees. Um, and and the reason I mentioned this one was because there were talks about in different areas like New York, they were going to force testing kind of like a drug test. There's going to be a Mm COVID-19 test. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm just curious how that's going to play out in Texas or in the Permian. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm going to link this in the show notes. If someone one wants to go and uh, kind of check it out I, mm-hmm. uh, right here, it says that, uh, that they launched a thousand oil and gas solar when industry workers have been digitally screened and at least 500 workers physically tested. So um, they're testing yeah, and,
0: folks. Yeah. Listeners email in. We'd love to hear what's going on with your company. Um, the COVID, those of you who are you know still lucky enough to have a job is, are y'all doing the, the testing? You know, does it like, if you're moving around from, you know, you might be out going from one rig to another rig. You had to get tested on each rig. You know, I'm curious what, because it is a kind of a unique deal. It's not like you're going to, um, you know, to, the, I mean, if you're going downtown in Houston, obviously that's a little bit different. But I am curious to see, you know, what, what is happening in the, uh, the oil field space.
1: Uh, article, gravity offers up to 5,000 tanks for crude storage. So storage was filling up. Uh, Energy Transfer announced, uh, I think a week or two ago, that they were going to store like 2 million barrels in their lines. Now, Gravity is stepping up and saying they have 5,000 tanks for crude storage. Um, They've already shipped out more than 1,000 tanks in the past couple of weeks and have another 4,000 more available for immediate shipment. So, uh, companies are stepping up. This is free market at work here. Companies are stepping up trying to use the opportunity for needed storage uh, for all this oil. Uh, next article, small advantages could add up to,
0: go Never, Go ahead. I don't want to get distracted. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Small advantages could add up to keeping service companies afloat. Uh, this article is pretty cool. Uh, so service companies, as we all know, are taking a beating in, uh, in the oil and gas industry right now. Um, there's, this article mentions, uh, there's no silver, silver bullet to make it through this time, but the, there's a company, um, W&W Energy Service um, is using something called a knuckle boom crane truck to help reduce time and costs associated with traditional crane movements. And costs have been reduced by an estimated 40%. So that's given him an incredible uh, advantage over many of his competitors. And he said it's been helping his company tremendously during this difficult time. So for service companies out there, um, these downturns, they, they do lead to innovation and they lead to higher efficiency. So um, we hope we hope your company is one that makes it, and I, I think the industry can definitely improve through this time if if uh, the right companies can find ways to to stay afloat and survive it. Next article: uh, Midland, Texas-based Intrepid Directional Drilling doubles business with acquisition. I wanted to ask you about this, Ryan. So. Uh, Gyro Data agreed to sell its directional drilling business to Intrepid Directional Drilling specialists, doubling Intrepid's directional drilling capac- uh, capabilities. Did we have Gyro Data on, or was that one of them that we didn't get on? We, we did have them on, right? No,
0: we had we had one. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of
1: they had the multi-directional they had- thing. They're looking at the water yeah, table a and or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, So they sold. They sold to Intrepid, which is an AMP company,
0: right? Well, I don't. I don't. I. I I'm not exactly clear if they sold.
1: Uh, uh aspect of their business you're right directional yeah. building business it, I say, it, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah
0: right right
1: right it'd be worth it'd be worth following up on maybe we could uh try to get one of their guys back on mm-hmm. uh, sometime mm-hmm. all right uh when the flame goes out the permian permian's methane problem worsens right, well, this is pretty basic this person's saying they need to be flaring because if they're not flaring the methane is actually much worse on the environment uh so this this article um it's just in the news. Flaring's in the news. So I, I thought you got multiple different avenues. Some people want to shut down flaring, in a sense of don't let any methane emissions go out or let it be flared. This article saying we'd rather flare it than let it be released unflared um, because it's much worse on the on the environment. So. Um, just, a, just another, another article with uh, flaring being out front and center in the, in the headlines. This was an article that came out. I saw this one, Ryan. I almost fell out of my chair. So um, I'm probably going to butcher the name. But Helmeric and Payne decommissions 37 drilling rigs and lays off 2,800 mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. My goodness. So this is Sergio Chapa, May 1st, 2020. This is bad news, man. That's, uh, that's terrible. That's yeah. terrible. Two thousand yeah. eight hundred people just got laid off.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's it's bad. And uh, sorry for all those folks uh, get laid off, man. It's it's tough. It's tough, tough, tough. And so um, we don't want to minimize that at all. That's terrible news. Terrible news. Mm.
1: Updated: Shell cuts dividend for the first time since nineteen forties in a prudent move to bolster finances. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, 80 years diamond yeah, it, all, go
0: ahead. I was just gonna say, it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, the, the layoff news. I don't think we're, I don't really think we're as far along as maybe we, we want to be with the layoff news, you know, yeah, we still well, got, it, you might not see the big, um, numbers r- routinely like you have been seeing, but I'm I'm wondering if we're going to see a consistent, you know, hundred here. Of course, a lot of the service companies you won't hear about because they're not big enough to get news. But, um, I, I wonder if you, as the, the, you know, the Dallas fed or whoever tracks these things, uh, you're, you're going to continue to see, um, you know, these numbers for a long period of time and, uh, you know, until, until we get back up to you know prices that are sustainable. So, um, because it's, it's, it's not just a layoff, Josh, I guess I'm, what I'm trying to say, it's that companies are going to shut their doors, you know, and so um, service companies and folks like that. And so that's yeah. the, the real concern.
1: Yeah, if you, if you ask me, I mean, we're, we're not even, we're probably at 40% of the cuts we're going to see. We're probably mm-hmm. only at 40%. We, we, we're we not even halfway through what's about to go down. That's that's my take. I hope I'm wrong. I pray I'm wrong. I hope, I mean, yeah, I, I don't want to be right, but i it mm. That's all I'll say. So uh, Diamond Offshore files for bankruptcy amid historic crude crash. Uh, that's pretty self-explanatory. Oil and gas companies set to lose $1 trillion in revenue this year. Uh, so this was from uh, CNBC, uh, had a report. Uh, $1 trillion in revenues are going to be lost this year. It's also not surprising mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Exxon posts historic loss on route with Chevron and Retreat. Uh, So I'm going to link this in the show notes. There's a couple of stats you may want to look at there. It's pretty interesting. Um, And if you want to see something funny, every single article I've pulled up today has this park ranger being shoved into the water. And no matter what I do, it keeps popping up. So uh, if you look at the articles today, you're going to see a park ranger being shoved into the water. And if it's not that, you're going to see uh, Shake Shack uh, grilling burgers, which is not good for my sanity at 11 o'clock on Monday morning. (laughs) I'm about to eat my arm off. (laughs) <laughs> we, we we got one more article, Ryan. This is Heart Energy Permian Shell producer Contra Resources takes twelve point six billion dollar charge. Reported bigger first quarter loss on April thirtieth, and uh, yeah, so they're they're feeling they're feeling some of the pop with that. So with that, Ryan, I think that rounds us up for the Texas Roundup. Uh, a lot of news out there. Link to all of it in the show notes. Earnings reports yep. coming out this week. We're going to cover those. I'm going to listen to energy week. Christy Kratis coming on. That's a pretty high profile. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that episode and uh, we'll bring some news of that to the next week's show. Um, yep. we see- you know, if
0: Nate would book some guests, that'd be nice. they was the same. Um, So if you want a five-star roast, Nate, feel free. Nate's open season on Nate. Uh, we'd prefer no more Stephanie for president. That's getting a little bit carried away. Um, and speaker, the prophet of doom has returned. I don't know. If, did we say that last week? He came back. Yeah. he's back. Yeah, yeah. We got a speaker says, how many speaker says says are out? Nate, one, two, how many we got out? Two. We got two out on out okay. on YouTube now. Yep, two new speaker says our YouTube, so go check those out. Um he is he's speaker, so you know, um he will be destroying the Texas Railroad Commission if they do not vote in favor of probation, I'm sure. So I'm looking forward to that and hopefully he gets feeling better. Um, anyways, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate it. And we will, uh, until next time, keep plumbing.